Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for checking out Toronto Today. Liberal MP from Beaches East York, Nate Erskine-Smith, on the show. We talk about, well, health care in the province. Some people think, well, that's a that's a provincial issue. What's a federal politician have to say about it? Well, a lot. Um, there's a lot of interspersing of funding. Certainly was during COVID. Certainly was with uh, potential for hospital beds being uh, you know, puffed up and hospitals and long-term care homes and the concept of the federal government being more involved in those. So Nate weighs in on all of that, plus the Arrive Can app. Is there a distinction between its usage at the land border and its usage at airports? We'll talk to him about that. Really want to uh, welcome on uh, Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, uh, Liberal MP for Beaches East York. He joins me right now. I know you know people probably steer this away from you. Maybe they do, Nathaniel, in that, well, you know, healthcare, that's a provincial thing. But at the same time, um, you live here. You're you're heavily invested. You're, you're raising kids. You're aging parents. Like you're you're going through all this stuff. Everyone else is. I'm sure you have an opinion about where we go in Ontario with healthcare because we're starting to have bigger conversations about it, aren't we? And not only a personal opinion, but having seen federal action and federal promises over the years, there's obviously shared jurisdiction here, and the federal government is going to increase funding to provinces, mm-hmm. but set certain priorities. And those priorities are around improving the quality of care, including access to primary care, including improving home care and long-term care conditions by virtue of improving the quality of staff through better pay. Uh, so there, and, and, and you were just mentioning dental care. And there's a commitment to make sure that there is that basic level of care to make sure that everyone has that basic level of coverage. What is it about? Is there something inherent in Canadians? And maybe it's shifted. Maybe it's changed. Maybe we've all had a bit of a turn or a move on this since the pandemic started to look and say, we can't just strut our stuff and and brag about our, our health care anymore. We love to brag. It's free health care. It's, it's, it's not free if it's paid for by taxes. Of course, we don't want to be the United States. We don't want people falling through the cracks, but I've looked Nate, at more and more models in Europe and I go, that's sensible. It's it's on a per need basis. They always take care of, of younger people. And when parents have something terrible happen, a fall or a disease to a young kid, they shouldn't have to pay out of pocket and, and wreck their entire futures. There's, there's just more conversation about finding some kind of middle ground here. Well, as a starting point, I think the healthcare system, and this is the, the founding sort of pact is that, one should be able to receive care on the basis of need, not the ability to pay. But there are many different delivery models. And what we really need to do in this province, in this country, is to take a step back and see. And we've done this many years ago. I'm reading about the history of healthcare, and you've got multiple reports two decades ago and, and, and even before that, looking at the future of healthcare, looking at improving quality and performance in healthcare. Are we getting best value for what we're doing in a system? Is there the overall comprehensive, effective system that we need to deliver for people when they need it most? And we should be having those conversations. We should have been having those conversations four years ago, but we should definitely be having those conversations today. And I think we wonder how many people, I, I heard a story from a friend of mine yesterday whose, whose mom had been waiting for a gallbladder surgery for over a year. And I'm thinking, she's in her mid-70s. She's paid into this system. She's supported this system her entire existence as a working person to not have a choice and she could choose anything else to spend her money on. She'd have paid anything to get that surgery ahead of time without letting someone else fall through the cracks. Like we have so many of our seniors that are in chronic pain. They wait for procedures like hip operations, knee operations, then mental health issues come on because they, they don't feel whole. Like there's, we've got to start, start talking about this stuff. I think the first conversation in many respects 
has to be a human resource management question. Because right now, when you look at, and this is not unique to this time period that we're living in, there have been staff shortages and physician shortages in rural communities for longstanding in this province. I'm reading about the, you know, the story of Ontario's Health Services Restructuring Commission going back to 96 to 2000. That was a live conversation at that time. There was a shortage of nurses at that time. These these challenges pre-exist the, the time that we're living in, but if we don't have a plan to address them, a long-term plan to address human resources management, including including for PSWs in, in this mm-hmm. province with respect to home care and long-term care, I, I see no comprehensive even approach. This is a reaction to what is deemed not even to be an unprecedented crisis and then finally a realization kicking and screaming that this is a crisis that needs to be addressed and and an incredibly reactive approach yeah i see all that uh, all that the same way uh, nathaniel erskine smith our guest uh, beaches east york mp on toronto today um i saw news about the arrive can app yesterday i wanted to ask you about it the canadian government and i'd praise them for this for as much as there's been you know, criticism. I think it's been uh, towards Minister Al Gaber's way sometimes. Um, I, I think there's praise here for a, a pivot and an adjustment. They're going to allow COVID-19 vaccinated travelers a one-time exemption from quarantine testing and, and especially fines if they don't get things right, if you will, on the Arrive Can app. But um, it's still a mandatory app. I know you've you've heard from probably constituents. We've heard from these mayors of border towns like Niagara Falls and Sarnia and Windsor who want to scrap it completely. I think it has its place, but but I, I wonder if you'd draw the distinction between what's needed at the land border versus what's needed on airplanes. Would you make a distinction between those two? A huge distinction because of the nature of the travel and the nature of the work that needs to be done in advance of that travel to get from one country to the next. So... People are already going through a pretty intense process with their passports and with registering with the airline and with getting to the airport to get to Canada. And the Arrive Can app unquestionably saves time. Now, it can be a frustrating experience for some, I get it. And there needs to be an alternative for people who are less technologically savvy or, or don't have the, the devices that, that so many of us are fortunate to have. And so, of course, there need to be it needs to be optional in some ways, and we, we, need, to make, we need to make sure that people can opt out of it and, and have a paper-based system. But the land border, it is clearly slowing things down. And the government needs to take a hard look and say, how do we make this to be the efficient system that we want it to be? I think there's a way of doing that for air travel. At the moment, I, I don't think CBSA and the government have figured out a way to do that at the land border. And I've certainly heard from my border colleagues to say this, this mandatory aspect of it should be suspended. So you like you wouldn't say it's out. It's not outlived its usefulness just yet. We just need to to make some tweaks to it, some pivots to it. Because I agree, it's it's easy for me if I'm going over on my own on the land border. It's an easy thing to describe your vaccination status if you want to see proof of it. Fine, but I think we hear these horror stories, right? Seniors that can't handle the app quickly, that slows everybody up in a line, or a family of six traveling, or heaven forbid, a bigger family than that. Like those are where the problems are at some of these at some of these crossings. Well, and I think we also probably want to take a broader look at the rules related to unvaccinated travel because at the moment mm-hmm. there's a, a stiff quarantine 14 days uh, and I, I don't think it makes sense in light of the, the current reality and it's still a, a major impediment to people uh, who want to travel who are who are unvaccinated and so uh, you know previously uh, of course it was an important uh, it was an important incentive it was important to make sure that we were addressing transmission. And, and and now that we have the variants that we do, I, I just don't think limiting and restricting travel in that way makes a ton of sense. And so I think I think there's probably a broader conversation to have here about 
how do we adjust travel rules in light of the, the current science? Well, I know we're talking uh, in a couple of weeks near the end of the month as we get closer to school. So I sure want to talk about that and, uh, and what you just brought up as well. Thanks so much for the time today. Appreciate you making time for our audience as always. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, our guest on Toronto Today.